Well, let's look at scripture that we've been looking at in this class the last few days. We'll start again with Matthew, the ninth chapter. Now, notice here in the ninth chapter of Matthew and the 35th verse, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness or every manner of sickness, as most translations reads, and every disease or every manner of disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now in the gospel according to St. John, I want us to notice the fifth chapter and then we'll read from the 14th chapter. The fifth chapter of the gospel according to St. John. John's gospel, chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, or we would say in that condition, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. He didn't know who it was. You notice that? Wist not who it was that said to him, take up your bed and walk. Wist not who it was. Now notice, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Praise God. Now, in the 14th chapter of John's gospel and in the uh, 12th verse, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now then, Jesus, in this verse, is talking about believers. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Now, do you believe on him? Well, he's talking about you then. What does he say about you? The works that I do shall he do also. 
Somebody said, well, I'm not doing them. Well, are you sure you aren't? Amen. Listen. The works of Jesus, you'll find, fall in two categories. First of all, and by us examine them, when we'll learn how that we're to do them, because if we're going to do the works that he did, we'll have to do them the same way he did. Or else he'd be unjust to ask us to do something, you know, that, uh, because he said we were. And you'll find that all of us can operate in, in one category or the other, and some of us may operate in both categories of ministering healing. How did Jesus minister healing? Well, first of all, as Acts 10.38 said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. We went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Because he's anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, then the Holy Ghost manifests himself through him. In what we call gifts of the Spirit. Those gifts of the Spirit are listed for us in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And you'll find that those uh, manifestations, also of the Spirit as they're called, that there are nine of them. Nine listed in 1 Corinthians 12. However, up until the new covenant, and the new covenant was not in force while Jesus was on the earth, they were still under the old covenant until after Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended on high and sat down at the right hand of the Father. That seven of these manifestations, or gifts of the Spirit, were manifested throughout the Old Testament and in the four Gospels. That is the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discern the spirits, the gift of faith, or actually the Greek says special faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings and prophecy. Now after the day of Pentecost, then you'll find that tongues and interpretation came into prominence. And you don't find tongues with interpretation in, in operation or manifestation in the Old Testament or in the ministry of Jesus or in the four Gospels. They are distinctive of this dispensation. But you see, because that Jesus is anointed by the Spirit of God, then you see all of these gifts manifested through him and this in this area of healing, you'll see, uh, no doubt, special faith, working in miracles and gifts of healings. Now, in this fifth chapter of John's gospel, you see a manifestation of these gifts through the ministry of Jesus. You see, here are five porches full of all kind of sick people and crippled and so on and so forth, blind. They're waiting for the troubling of the water for an angel came, comes down at a certain season, troubles the water, or we'd say ever so often. The first one in gets healed. Now you see that is the angel coming down and troubling the water and the first one in got healed. That is a demonstration of God's power. And you know, if God wanted to do that, he didn't have to ask me whether he could or not, or you or anybody else. You see, God just simply will do some things on his own to demonstrate his power. Now notice that everybody got in the water didn't get healed. That's, that, that was a complaint of this man. Oh, somebody else gets in the first. Well, he got in evidently, but somebody else got in first. Only the one got healed. Just the one, that's all. Just the one. Well, a lot of folks have said, well, why didn't everybody get healed? I don't understand that. Well, instead of wandering off in ignorance, let's just rejoice with them that got healed. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? So then here comes Jesus. Here are these five porches uh, full of these people. We'd call them sheds, you know, in our thinking today. And notice that uh, here was a certain man which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Now evidently he, because he was there on his bed, but evidently he could get up, he might have, and he must have been slow about it, not good use of his body, because he said, sir, I have no man when the water's troubled to put me in the pool. 
See, he needed help then to get in. So while I'm coming, and then maybe there's somebody helped him. I don't know while I'm coming, another step is down before me. Now then it says here, when Jesus saw him lie, he knew, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case, or we would say in that condition. How did he know it? Well, somebody said, well, Jesus was the son of God and he knew everything. No, you're wrong. He was the son of God. But he didn't know everything because he's the son of God because the Bible tells us that when he came into this world, he stripped himself of his mighty power and glory. Another translation said he laid aside his mighty power and glory. You see, it was only after that he was anointed, as we read from Acts 10, 38, with the Holy Ghost that he began to do these things. So it was the Holy Ghost that told him then, wasn't it? I said, wasn't it? That was a manifestation of the word of knowledge. He had knowledge supernaturally of that man's condition, you see, and that he'd been there a long time. So then he walked up to him and said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? Or in other words, in our modern usage, he said, Will you be made whole or will you be healed? That's a pretty good question to ask folks, isn't it? Will you be healed? <laughs> you get all kinds of answers when you ask them. But did you know that your will has something to do with whether you're healed or not? Huh? You see, healing for the physical body is in the same plan of God as is the new birth, the remission of sins. Because Jesus not only bore our sins, the Bible tells us he took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Well, does your will have anything to do with you being saved and born again? Certainly. The Bible said, whosoever will, let him come. Take the water of life freely. Hallelujah. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Talking about the door of your heart. And knock. If any man will, if any man will, if any man will open the door of his heart, I'll come in. Hallelujah. Sup with him and he with me. Hallelujah. Will, or in our usage, will you be made whole? Will you? In other words, what Jesus said, it's, it's, it, a whole lot of it is up to you. Will you be made whole? Someone was just speaking to me recently about a person that I know, born again, spirit-filled person, that, and the doctors didn't know why, suddenly developed some physical problems and so on and so forth, and had to be rushed to the hospital and so on, and and the doctors themselves said, I'll tell you the truth about the matter, they'd never lived if they hadn't had such a strong will. They will to live. They ought to die. That's what the doctor said. They ought to die. But they're all right. Praise God. Well, now your will does have something to do with it. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? I know, I know right here in Tulsa. One time I was here in the hospital, you know, and uh, a doctor said to me, and he said to me, Brother Hagin, I, I hate to ask you, but uh, I, I know you know this person. Indirectly, I did know him. I knew, I knew the woman's brother real well. And he said, uh, now, now she's, she's virtually dead. She is dying. There's no use for it, no need for her to die. The only reason in the world she's dying, now she has been through a whole lot, and medically speaking now, she should not die. But she's lost her will to live. And I've talked to her. She, she's a born again, spirit-filled Christian. Remember one of the full gospel churches right here in the city. And she's lost her will to live. And I've tried to talk to her, but I haven't been able to help her because I know there's no medicine. There's nothing's going to help her now unless something happens that changes her will. And uh, would you, would you come and talk to her and pray with her? I said, yeah, I will. And, uh, you know, I recognized the woman. He told me who she was, and I recognized her. And then the moment I saw her, like I said, I knew her brother real well, special friend of mine. And, and so I talked to her just a little bit, laid hands on and prayed, and bless the Lord, she's out and home three days' time. I've seen her since. She's still alive and well after I said, well, let's see, it's about 13 years. After about 13 years, well, she's still alive and well. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But now you see, like Dr. Hunter you said, said she would have died. There's no doubt about it. She is dying, but she don't have to. I was holding a meeting for another pastor, a friend of mine in another state, and, and we were sitting visiting one day in the parsonage and, and a doctor, and wasn't a member of his church. But he knew that this man, 
he, he wasn't really a member of his church, but he had written down when he was admitted to the hospital his church preference, and this was his church preference. He did come there. So I mean, it was a Christian man. And this doctor called and, and said to this pastor, would you come and see this man? See, he didn't even know because he's not one of his church members. He really didn't, and only came occasionally. So he had no knowledge that the man was even in the hospital. But the, his physician called and said to him, Reverend, I'll just be honest with you and tell you the truth about the matter. We've done all we can do for him, medically speaking, and there's no reason for him to die. But the man is dying because he's lost his will to live. And I would say that he'll not live I would say that unless you could, could you come and talk to him? If you can't, some way or another, you know, change his will, I'd say that he'll be dead from three to five days. Well, the pastor went to visit him. You say, how'd he come out? I don't know because I was only there a few days and left. Never did, you know, before the five days up I was gone. And so I never did find out. But I know this much. Uh, I believe the pastor would be able to help him. Praise God. So, so your will has a lot to do with, with everything about you, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? Yes, it certainly does. And so he said, will, you know, King James, will thou be made whole or will you be healed? Will you? Well, I sure hope I will. Well, you won't because you don't get healed hoping. Well, how do you get healed then? Believing. Believing. Well, what is believing? Well, look at Mark eleven twenty four. It's the best commentary on the subject there is. What things have you desire? Well, in this case, your desire would be healing. When you pray, believe that you receive and ye shall have. Well, the King James said, believe you receive them, the desires, and you'll have them. I keep saying it. I'm going to keep on saying it because few folks catch on to it once in a while. See, in this case, healing then. So, what did he say? All right, if you desire healing, we'll substitute healing for desires, you see. When you pray, believe that you'll receive healing, and ye shall have healing. Isn't that simple? That's so simple that folks stumble over the simplicity of it. Believe that you'll receive healing, and ye shall have healing. Yeah, I've had people tell me when I said that, yeah, but I'm not healed yet. I said, I know it. You see, notice that. Look at that verse again. Listen to it. You see, this is the unalterable law of faith. It is never altered, never changes. There can't be anything else in the Bible that would contradict this verse. If it is, the whole Bible's a lie. Throw it away. And there's nothing that does. It's all lined with it, isn't it? Now listen. Believe that you receive healing and ye shall have healing. Same thing be true concerning finances. Same thing be true whatever else you're praying about. Believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Believe that you receive, in this case, believe that you receive healing and you'll have healing. Now, when is it that you have your healing? After you believe you receive your healing. When do you believe that you receive your healing? Before you have your healing. Isn't that right? Well, in connection with this, let's stop and analyze some of this. Because, you see, this has something to do with it. Like I said, there's a manward side and a Godward side to every victory. Hallelujah. To every answer to prayer, there's a manward side and a Godward side. You have to do your part. He does his part. But like one fellow said, this sometimes is sort of like a checker game. A game of checkers, you see, God wants to move, but he can't move till you make your move first. It's not his move. Your move is to believe that you receive healing. His move is to see that you have healing. That's what I saw when I was on the bed of sickness 40 some odd years ago. 47 years next month. That's what I saw. They're paralyzed. I said, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. What I've got to do is start believing that I receive healing from my heart while my heart's still not beating right. I got to believe I receive healing for the paralysis while I'm still lying here paralyzed and haven't moved a peg. I got to believe I receive healing for the incurable blood disease. Somebody said, "Well, I wish I'd get that to work for me." Well, it won't. It won't work for you by by wishing. It works for you by believing. Just like when we first started here in October two years ago, there was a young man the very first month in October came here. wasn't even a Christian. wasn't even saved. Now, since then, he has been, but he wasn't even saved. But he came with his mother 
from Florida, sat right over here to my right. He's 27 years old. He's going to college. He's being educated to be a lawyer. He had a growth on his arm that suddenly flared up. And he went to the doctors and they ran tests on it and found out it to be the very worst kind of cancer there is. Wanted to take his arm off immediately. Well, he said, no, you can't take my arm off. Well, they said, you'll be dead in 30 days. Well, he wasn't satisfied with that diagnosis, so he went down to the MD Anderson Hospital in Houston, Texas, which is a world-renowned cancer clinic, you know. He didn't tell him he'd been anywhere else. They ran the same test, told him the same thing. Wanted to take his arm off immediately and then give him also other treatments, you see, thinking they could keep it from spreading. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. About a 50-50 change, they say. No, he said, I'm not going to take, well, let's take my arm off. Well, they said, you'll be dead in 30 days. So he wasn't satisfied with that. He went to the third cancer clinic here in America. Didn't tell him he'd been anywhere else. They ran the same test, said the same thing. If you don't take your arm off, you'll be dead in 30 days. So he came here. Well, he didn't understand because he'd never been in any of these services. Wasn't even a Christian. His mother was charismatic now, but see, he was grown and gone before she got charismatic. So he knows nothing about any of these things. He didn't understand everything that's happening here. But I related, and that's one reason I keep saying it, because every time somebody catches on to it. I related my experience of healing. So sitting right over here, he said, now that sounds free to me. I guess his mind began to be educated as a lawyer, you see. He's analytical, thinking analytically. He said, that sounds sensible to me. That, I, I can understand that. Well, his mother tried to get him to come up, but we laid hands on other folk. No, no, he said, I've accepted it. And so because I've accepted it and believed it, I'm healed now. Thank you, amen. And he's not even saved, not even a Christian boy. So he went his way, went right back to the same clinic. They couldn't find a trace of it. It all disappeared. It all disappeared. They wanted him to come back after several months, you know. They want to keep a record of it, you know. Finally, in May, his mother was back here with us again, then May of the, this past May, a year ago in services. Just before she came, he had called. And he had been back, you see, October to May. He should have been dead, you see, six months, seven months before. And so he went back again to one of the clinics. They ran all the tests. They said to him, no, he's come back anymore. As far as we're concerned, we don't understand it. But as far as we're concerned, you're cured. So he called his mother to rejoice about it. Well, she said, son, don't forget. Don't forget that Jesus is the healer. And that's the first time she heard him. He said, yeah, Jesus is my savior too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, praise God. His mother was here just recently with us. See, just recently, a year later then, she was here again in services. He's still healed. Glory to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Well, I see it didn't work for him by him wishing it had happened. He said, no, no, that'll work for me just like it did Brother Hagin. You see, after all, Jesus said, whosoever there, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those whosoever's. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and so he believed it. See, when you pray, believe you'll receive your healing and you'll have your healing. Believe you'll receive your healing and you'll have your healing. Hallelujah. Well, you, you have a lot to do with it. Now, in this case, however, this man, because he's got his eyes on the pool there and the, the troubling of the water, he said, I have no one to put me in the water. Somebody gets in ahead of me. Jesus saith unto him. Now, I want you to know that Jesus did not pray for him. Jesus did not touch him. There's no transfer of power. Sometimes Jesus touched people and a new power went out of him. There's no transfer of power here by the touch. He just said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The man that made a hole got up, took up his bed. And, you know, the Jews accosted him, you know, because he wasn't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, you know. And uh, so uh, he said, well, the man that healed me, <laughs> you know, he told me to take up my bed. Well, I said, who was that fellow? See, they don't care at all about the fellow getting healed. They just want to get to the fellow that's breaking the Sabbath. You see, and they sought to kill him, as you go on reading here, because he broke the Sabbath. Yeah, you, you, you violate some people's religious laws and they're, they're ready to get you. But God's ready to love you. Amen. And so, he said, well, I, I don't know who he was. I, I wish not. In other words, I, I don't know. I really don't know who, who it was that healed me. Because see, the scripture said that Jesus conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. See, he didn't stop and have a healing service there. 
In other words, he walked off and left all five porches there full of people that were sick. Now, why didn't he minister to them? You see, we learned something about manifestations of the Spirit. Manifestations of the Spirit are manifested as the Spirit wills. Now, read that 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians, real carefully, those first several verses. Said the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, for the one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, so on, and concludes with tongues, diversities of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then it said that the Spirit divideth to every man severally as he wills. Now, I sure like that when he divides it to me, but you can't divide it, the manifestation to yourself. Are you listening to me now? So you see, Jesus then. On this occasion, see, he wasn't having a teaching service. See, we read earlier about him teaching. But he wasn't having a teaching service because he was instructed by the Spirit of God to do that. Then he could do it. You see? Now, I've been in services. I know I know when, uh, as a pastor, once in a while, you would have a manifestation of some of these things. Uh, the Lord would tell me, uh, you know, there's certain person, sometimes he'd point it out to me and tell me what's wrong with him. And I'd tell that person, you know, uh, you stand up and now this is what's wrong with you. And the Lord told me to tell you, come here. And sometimes he'd say, you come lay hands on him. Sometimes you just say, speak to him. And they'd be healed. And you'd find out later on they weren't even a Christian. But somebody said, how come that? He didn't tell me about anybody else in the whole crowd. Well, I'm not running the thing, you know. I mean, Jesus is the head of the church, not me and not you. See, wouldn't you, be in, wouldn't you be in trouble? See, your head runs your body, you see. And you want to go home when the service over and your head tells your feet and you're like, now get up and stand up and carry me out of this building. And your feet said, no, no, uh-uh. Now, what does he want to do that for? I'm not going to do it. Well, you're going to get division in the body before you know what you're going to get in trouble. Jesus is the head. Well, now, now just, uh, ju just let him do it his way. Th so those kind of manifestations work like that. See, you got an example of it here. They work like that. Just turn and look there again the fourth chapter, Luke, about Jesus ministering in his own hometown. And, and he said uh, that to, to these people there, I know what you'll say to me. 23rd verse, you'll surely say unto me, this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Now notice, he said, Verily I said, you're no prophet except in his own country. Then he talks about two prophets that they were well versed with, because see, this is in the synagogue, and these were Jews. He talks about Elijah and Elisha. He talks about Elijah being sent, you know, in the days of Elijah the prophet, there were many widows in Israel. Many widows. But Elijah was sent unto none, save to this city of Sarepta in Sidon. And there you remember a miracle. The, the, the gift of working of miracles was manifested through him. And the meal barrel just kept giving meal. And the oil crews just kept pouring out oil. Remember that? Now, what does that, what's Jesus tell us? He's telling us that though Elijah is a prophet, though he's anointed by the Spirit of God, though he could work a miracle, the working of miracles was manifested through him in that home, he just couldn't go into any widow's house and do that. Now, why couldn't he? It said he was sent unto none but this one. But this one. Now, look at the next one. Elisha the prophet. In the days of Elisha the prophet, there were many lepers in Israel. Many of them. Now notice what Jesus said. And none of them were healed. Not one single one of them was healed. Save in Naaman the Syrian. Remember the story of Naaman the Syrian? Well, why was there just that one leper healed under his ministry? Because, see, he's anointed by the Spirit, and that's the only one the Spirit of God told him to do anything about that is, if you're going to minister like this. You understand what I'm saying to you? I've been in services, you know, where, uh, like I've said many times, using different illustrations, that, uh, that there, were some, there were people there on stretchers. Now, sometimes in praying in the Spirit, two or three times through the years, 
the night before or before I went to the service as a praying in the spirit, I had a vision. Now, I, for instance, in one meeting, I, I saw a lady lying there, you know, in the vision. Now, in my room about uh, around four o'clock in the morning. And I knew it was this next night's service. And I saw this lady lying on that stretcher. And I saw myself say to her, now on this occasion, I went down there by her, never did touch her. But I went off the platform and stood down, like for instance, if she's lying on this bed here, see. And I, I, and I see I'm seeing this at four o'clock in the morning lying on the bed. And I said, uh, the Lord shows me that you've been bedfast over two years. Then I heard myself, I didn't hear what she said, I heard myself say, are you afraid to try to get up and walk? And then I heard her say, no. And I heard myself say, arise and walk in Jesus' name. I saw her get up and walk off well. Then I saw myself point to a lady. In fact, I'd done these other two first. I pointed to a lady that was sitting, oh, maybe five or six seats back from right here, you know, from the pulpit here, just about five or six pews, or rows of seats back, you see. And, and the reason I recognize her in the service, see, is because that there at four o'clock morning, I saw her in her bed. Setting up just and checking her heartbeat. And I knew that from two o'clock on to six o'clock every morning for the last three nights, she couldn't breathe lying down. She had to set up and then didn't breathe right and her heart didn't beat right. And so I saw myself say to her, sister, you right there. And had her to stand up. And then I said to her for the last three nights, from two o'clock on in your room, you've not been able to lie down and sleep and breathe. You had to set up, you see. And then you still struggle for breath. And I saw in the vision her say, yeah, that's right, that's right. I said, the Lord told me to tell you you're healed. Then I pointed to another lady in the congregation, you see, in the vision. And I said, the Lord shows me that you have arthritis. Well, I see you couldn't tell because, you see, we had a, a much larger crowd than what's here today, hundreds more. And I'd never been there before, you know. Well, even you sitting back there, I wouldn't know some of you folks whether you had arthritis, whether you didn't. You're sitting in the seat back there. And I said, the Lord told me to tell you you were healed. Praise God. So I went out to the service that night. Now I know ahead of time what's going to happen. A lot of times, when I say a lot of times, I don't mean just happens every month or two, but I mean every once in a while it happened that way with me. Uh, and, and I'll say, uh, and, and that's the way the spirit works sometimes. And, and I know ahead of time what's going to happen because I already saw it. If you'll read about Jesus here, and we read that yesterday, he said, whatever I see my father do, I do. Praise God. I can't of myself do nothing, he said. And we can't of ourselves do nothing. And so I went out to the service and I preached my sermon. And incidentally, I heard myself preaching, you see. So I knew what I was supposed to preach because I heard myself preaching the sermon. And so I, uh, I, I preached my sermon. And then when I finished my sermon, you see, I, I saw this lady. See, I recognized her. I'd never seen her before in my life. But because I'd seen her in the vision at 4 o'clock that morning, I pointed to her and said to her, you know, you've been sitting up in bed from 2 to 4 o'clock on breathing because you couldn't breathe otherwise, struggling for breath. She said, yeah, that's right. I said, the Lord told me to tell you, never touched her. Then I pointed to the woman about the arthritis. She was healed. And incidentally, three weeks later, she's in one of my meetings and still healed. I mean, you know, body completely and then uh, uh, with a woman on the stretcher, I just did what I saw myself and she walked off well right there in front of everybody. Right in front of everybody. The only difference was that when I said to her, the Lord shows me you've been bedfast over two years. She said two years and seven months to be exact. That was the only difference. And she got up and walked off. Now, why don't you do that with everybody that's bedfast? Uh, now, ministering like that Unless the Spirit of God told you so or is in it, you can't. Jesus said, I can't of myself do nothing. If it's just me doing it, it won't work. You know, that's why so many things don't work. <laughs> See, we have, we're zealous and we want to do it all right. I mean in this area, trying to minister here. So there is an area of ministry here. Thank God for it. Praise the Lord. And it will be manifested more or less according to how the church prays for these things or don't pray for them. If they don't know to pray for them and ask for them, they won't be manifested. If they do know to pray for them and ask for them and still don't, they won't be manifested. 
we, in, in the day prior, sir, we read about that in that fourth chapter of Acts. I want to show you something here that, that'll help you. You remember in the third chapter of Acts, Peter and John were on the way into the temple, you know, and through the gate called Beautiful, and there sat a man crippled there begging alms. And remember the man was healed, went into the temple walking, leaping, praising God. Remember that Peter and John were taken into question by the Sanhedrin or the council and were commanded, threatened, and commanded to preach and teach no more in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the fourth chapter of Acts, the 23rd verse, it says, And being let go, Peter and John, now being let go, they went into their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And they, the whole company of believers, lifted up their voice in prayer unto God and so on. It gives their, the, uh, the consensus of their prayer. And when you get down to the end of it, they prayed, Grant that thy servants shall be enabled to speak thy word with boldness by stretching forth thine hand to heal the sick and that signs and wonders may be wrought in the name of the holy child Jesus. They prayed these things would happen. Now let's stop and analyze that just a little bit and show you how our wrong thinking has defeated us. Did you know if we're defeated as individuals in life, it's because we're thinking wrong, believing wrong, and talking wrong. If as a group of people, a church, or a group of people, if we're defeated, it's because as a group we're thinking wrong. Mainly, most of us are, are thinking wrong, talking wrong, and believing wrong, and talking wrong. Amen. Now, you see, here's, here's the kind of thinking that people have had, and this is what's defeated them, you see. Well, yeah, but now, Brother Hagin, that was Peter and John, and they were apostles, you know. And the apostles had that kind of power, you know. I mean, they just sort of carried it around with them in their pockets, you know. Just when they wanted to, turned it off or on. Well, now, you see, if this had been like most people, then they had to pray, now, Lord, you help Peter and John to keep on using the power that they've got, the gifts. Lord, those gifts that Peter and John's equipped with, may they just keep on operate. You notice they didn't pray that way? I said, did you notice they didn't pray that way? Because Peter and John couldn't operate them anyhow. Now, stop and think. They may be manifested through them, but Peter and John cannot operate them. That's where we get in trouble. We try to do it. I said, we tried to do it. Amen. Amen. No, you see, they prayed that the Lord would stretch forth his hand by healing the sick. And the signs and wonders will be wrought in the name of the holy child Jesus. No, they didn't do those things. You think the apostles were above Jesus? He said, I can of myself do nothing. Didn't he? I said, didn't he? I said, didn't he? Well, the apostles then, they're not better than him or greater than him. The servant's not greater than master. They can of themselves do nothing. They have to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Praise God forevermore. Well, I could tell you if I had time about different manifestations of the Spirit in, in areas of healing and in some other areas. You see, because it's the same Spirit. There are diversities of operation, but it's the same Spirit. But you see, uh, those things, I can't manufacture them. I, I've, I've pushed every button, pulled every lever, <laughs> and set everything in the same place. Nothing happened. But then when the Spirit of God's in it, it, it happens. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so thank God for these things. Now, here's where we make a mistake again, is that some people in the church, they think, well, now that's the only way that God does these things. No, that's just one way that he does. I said, that's just one way. Now, let's look again. You see, we see Jesus doing these certain things. We see Jesus just spoke to this man. Rise, take up your bed and walk. He rose up, took up his bed and walked. Jesus walked off and left five porches full there. Why didn't he minister the rest of them? Huh? Bible said we read it. He conveyed himself away, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Well, because the Spirit didn't tell him to. Why does he say that Elijah, the prophet, could... The working of miracles was manifested only in that one widow's house. He said that was the only one he is sent to. There's many widows, but he wasn't sent but to that one. Doesn't he? I said, doesn't he? Concerning Naaman here. We read it here. Concerning Naaman. Concerning Elisha. He says, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed. Not a single one of them were. Now, they could have been, but they weren't. Saving Naaman the Syrian. And you remember when he came, the prophet didn't even go out to see him. And just being human, you know, 
Not even a Christian. You'd think some Christians would know better, but not even a, you know, he didn't even know God. He's worshiping Dagon, an idol. In the temple where he went, they had this idol by the name of Dagon. His head and shoulders like a man, the rest of his body was shaped like a fish. Because you remember afterwards, after he's healed, he said, now I know there's no other God except the God of Israel. But when Elisha sent his servant out there and told him to go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed, he got mad. Man, he's mad. Scripture said he was wroth. You know, plain old Texas talk, he's mad, angry, angry, mad. You know, after all, you read between the lines, he saw the sand, don't he know who I am? Commander in chief of the armies of Syria. He didn't even come out there. He didn't even come out there. See, you can't dictate to God how he's going to do it. Are you listening to me? I remember one fellow said he got mad, you know, because he wanted me to pray for him. And I just didn't. And he said, finally, he persisted himself, and I passed by and said, Brother Hagin, in one of my meetings, you know, I, I wanted you to pray. See, and he said, I wanted to, he, he, you know, testified later, said, I wanted him, you know, to really, like, 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 like old Naaman said, yeah, I thought surely he'd come out and strike his hand over the place where he had leprosy, you know. <laughs> you know, and say the magic word. <laughs> and this fellow said, he, he's in the meeting and he finally, you know, he saw how I left from the meeting sometime and he positioned himself where he could have cost me, you know. And he hollered at me, you know, and, and I wanted you to pray for me. And he said in his own admission later on, you know, I, I thought maybe it'd take him maybe half an hour to pray, you know, to get it done, you know. Wanted him to pray a long prayer and said, oh, no, no, just as he went by and said, he just said, just, just touched, said, be healed, Jesus' name. Then I just stood there mad. But he said, ever since I had disappeared. <laughs> Well, what does he care? What do you want to get mad for? See, some folks don't want healing. They want attention. They want to take up your time. <laughs> Amen. Let, let's do things God's way. Let, let's, let's see what he says about it. Amen. Well, on this case, how come Elisha to tell Naaman, go dip in the river Jordan seven times? Because that's what the Spirit told him. He is in there praying. That's what the Spirit told him. I said, that's what the Spirit told him. Well, what if he hadn't a dip? Now, we know he got mad about it and wasn't going to for a while. Finally, his servant, you know, got him to, to simmered down. <laughs> Said if he'd asked something hard of you, you'd have done it. Well, if he never had done it, you know what the scripture said? You remember a little clue here, way back over here in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles, it might pay you to turn back there and you'll find out why some things don't happen sometimes, even when the Spirit of God's in manifestation. Even when people speak with the Spirit of God, the things are not always manifested. In other words, they don't always come into being. You know why? All right, turn back to the 20th chapter, 2 Chronicles, and you'll find out. You know here in the 20th chapter, 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat is king of Judah at this time. And it came, it says in the first verse, that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and a little later on we find out also that the children of Mount Seir that is, three different groups here formed their armies, put their armies together and came against Jehoshaphat. And he knew he didn't have an army to meet them. And so as you read here, well, you'll find that he called the congregation together and to asked help of the Lord, the fourth verse. And they asked help of the Lord. And the word of God said in the 14th verse, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehuel, the son of Mathaniah, Levi, to the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thy king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation, or deliverance, actually the Hebrew word means deliverance. See the deliverance of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now notice this. Notice that... Uh, uh, you, you can go on reading about what they what they did and so on and so forth. Uh, and they won the victory, you know that. But I want you to notice in that 20th verse, 
And they rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. Now get this. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Now I want you to notice something. Even though God has spoken, even though God has manifest himself, even though the gift of prophecy is in manifestation, and through the gift of prophecy, God has given them a word of wisdom. So you got the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom, you know, is a, is a revelation of the divine plan purpose of God. And isn't that the divine plan purpose of God? Concerning the future, looking to the future. You see? Even though that's in manifestation, those things will not come to pass nor be consummated unless faith's mixed with it. Are you listening to me? Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Now notice, believe his prophets. That was one that stood up and gave the word there. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Well, if you take the negative side of that, if you don't, do not believe in the Lord your God, you'll not be established. If you do not believe his prophets, you will not prosper. Isn't that right? That means you'll not prosper in the thing, whatever it was they said. Over in the book of Hebrews, the Bible said concerning Israel, you know about them not entering into the promised land. They entered not in because of unbelief. Remember that? And remember that the Bible said concerning this, the scripture said, the word spoken, the word spoken did not profit them not being mixed with faith. Well, you see, the word spoken was right and was God speaking, but it didn't bring any profit to them because they didn't believe it. They didn't mix faith with it. They didn't mix faith with it. Are you following me? They didn't mix faith with it. So, you'll find that in manifestation of the Spirit, sometimes I, I, I use this illustration. right here. This happened right here in the state of Oklahoma. I was preaching in one of the full gospel churches, quite a large church, and, and just as I came to the conclusion of my sermon, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, minister, and I've never done it since then. Never had done it before, never done it since then. Uh, sometimes you'll have a manifestation or the spirit will manifest himself in a certain way and he may never do it again the rest of your life. Had Elijah, did Elijah ever tell anybody to dip Jordan River? Never had, had he? Is there any record in the Bible of ever telling anybody else to do it? Is there any record in the Bible of anybody ever dipping in Jordan River and being healed? Yes, now see, now somebody else could have said, well, I just, you know, yesterday I happened to be down there by the River Jordan and I saw this fellow. Man, he was a leper when he went in that water, but he come out clean. Now I'm going to go get Cousin John because he's got the leprosy and if that worked for him, it'll work for Cousin John. I'm just sure it will. And they went out there and dipped Cousin John 107 times and nothing happened. And took Cousin John back with, home with the leprosy. Why? Because the Lord didn't tell Cousin John to do it. Well, what are you going to do? Just let Cousin John go ahead and die? No, there's another, there's another side of the ministry. There's another way that Jesus helped people. You notice the first text we read, he went around about their cities as teaching, 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 teaching. What did, he, what did he want to teach him for? Remember the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Now, everybody may not have a manifestation. But I don't know whether you will or whether you won't. If you'll desire those things, God in some measure will probably use you. But one thing for sure about it, you can teach people. That's doing the works of Jesus. The works that I do, you do also. What did he do? He went about their cities and villages teaching. That's part of his works, isn't it? I said, that's part of his works, isn't it? Isn't it? Teaching, teaching, teaching. Now, why did he teach? Because the word of God causes faith to come. So then faith comes by hearing him by the word of God, you see. Now, read through the four gospels and check out all these individuals. See, this is one individual healing here about this man at the pool of Bethesda. And you'll find, as I've said to you before, that there are 19 specific cases of individuals healing and 12 out of the 19, it mentions their faith. It mentions they were healed. Now see, this man's faith is not mentioned here, is it? 
Doesn't say a word about his faith. He is healed by manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And that's manifested as the Holy Ghost wills. Like I tell sometime about preaching down in East Texas. And on a Sunday night, it came to the close of my service. And I was about to give the altar call. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, because the building was full, summertime, you see. The country church, many years ago, 31 years ago had passed. And there's just a sea of faith, men standing outside the building, you know, double doors in front of the church there, you know. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, there's a man standing outside this building looking at you through those double doors. And he told me exactly what was wrong with him. Tell him, I told you to tell him, if he'll come in here and you lay your hand. Now sometimes, see, Jesus didn't lay hands on him, but sometimes he'll tell you to. And you lay your hands on him, he'll be healed instantly. Well, I spoke that out. They tell me, fella, you know, they couldn't understand it, that he's standing out there smoking a cigarette. He threw that cigarette down, came inside, was instantly healed. Now somebody said, that beats anything I've ever seen in my life. That fellow out there smoking, come in and got healed, and good people right there in the church had the same thing and didn't get healed. Now, can you explain that? Well, first place, I'm not doing it. I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is. I'm just out to obey the Spirit. Second place is, the Bible said Jesus died for the ungodly, and he qualified. <laughs> Amen. See? But you know, some way or another, the head of the church knows what he's doing. Three nights later, the fellow got saved. Later on, I laid hands on him, and he is filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, in recent years, one of his sons was in one of my meetings, and, I, and he, he said to me, you know who I am? I said, well, now, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, because he was grown at this time. This was a grown son. Now, of course, several years later, he was 20 years older. He is much older. So I said, uh, it finally dawned on me, and I told him his name. I said, I don't remember the name, but you're one of the Baker boys. Yeah, he said. And so he said, I said, well, whatever happened to your dad? Oh, he said, didn't you hear? I said, no, I never heard anything about any of you since then. I've never been back to that part of the country. I had, well, I said, he's an ordained assembly. as a God minister. Has been for a number of years. Praise God. Well, God, you know, I mean, the Lord knew what he's doing. I mean, well, how come him, though? Why didn't he call somebody the saints that's already in there and saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? Why reach out there and get that old sinner? Well, now I'll tell you, I'll answer that by asking you a question now. There were saints of God down there at Antioch and in Damascus. Saints of God. How come God to reach out there and get a murderer by the name of Saul and make a preacher out of him? Now you tell me, I'll come and do that. That's why, well, there was that fellow Ananias that went and laid hands on him. He's in the church there at Damascus. Said, well, why didn't he call him preach? Huh? Now, when you answer that, see, then I'll answer yours. Because when you answer that, you'll have the answer to mine. <laughs> Amen. No, if we're not careful, we'll spend all of our time trying to figure out the technicalities and miss the miraculous. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just believe in the Lord our God. Hallelujah. And we'll be established. Let's just believe his holy prophets. Hallelujah. And prosper. Let's just believe what he says. Praise God forevermore. Can you say amen? amen? Well, I never did get out and read the part I wanted to talk about today. I keep wandering around here too much, but you folks listen so good, you just soak it up like a sponge, you know. Just keep putting out, just keep putting out. Listen, Jesus went about their cities and villages teaching. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible said, and hearing by the word of God. Now, what are you going to do? You see, for instance, here's, here's one lady that's on her deathbed. Doctors done all they could do for her. And uh, many doctors involved. Been to many different clinics. Among other things, she has a incurable blood disease. The last, that's the way they put it in the last state. Probably leukemia or something like that. Because they said, they, the doctor said, incurable blood disease in the last stages. They wouldn't even touch the case. That, that's only one thing she had wrong with. She had two or three different things. Any one of them proved to be fatal to her. Well, I, uh, I went to pray for her, my wife and I, at the insistence of one of our members of our church who lived within a block of her. And uh, my wife and I knelt by her bed. And I laid my hand on her head, started to pray. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, don't pray, don't pray. Don't lay your hand on her. Get up and stand up. And say to her, the Lord told me to tell you, you're healed. 
Now, I'd never done that. I remember, that's the first time I'd never done that. I'd never done that in my life, way back there in 1943. And I put it this way to make a long story short. I said, I did, and he did, and she did. And was raised up, raised up from the deathbed. Raised up from the deathbed. That was Thursday on Sunday. She was over our church shouting, jumping, praise God, and testifying. See? Now, right on the other hand, here's another woman. Here's another woman that's bedfast and given up to die. Doctors said, well, now you know, among other things, what she also had incurable disease, which they told her is cancer, cancer. She's got to die, but we can't do anything. Well, uh, spirit didn't say anything. See, there's no manifestation of spirit. Well, I can't manufacture it. And if I did manufacture one, it would be a counterfeit, wouldn't it? Amen. So it wouldn't work anyway. So what are you going to do? Say, well, this just pray that the Holy Ghost will manifest himself like he did with that other woman in that other place. Well, no, I can't see that the Spirit of God teaches you that or the Bible teaches you that. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Well, speaking to that woman supernaturally and by the Spirit of God and her rising up was doing the works of Jesus, wasn't it? But how are you going to help this dear woman every day? She's nearer to the grave. You can see her dying. She looks a very picture of death. Spirit doesn't say anything. I always, as I said to you, put up my spiritual antenna. How you put up your spiritual antenna? Well, one way is praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. Another way, just your spirit just reaches up toward heaven to see if he is saying anything. Never said a word. Nothing. Don't get a thing in the world. Well, can I help her? Thank God I can. <laughs> Hallelujah. How am I going to help her? I'm going to get faith into her. How are you going to get faith into her? Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Hallelujah. And so, on this particular woman I'm thinking about now, this particular woman, now not always, you see, so the Spirit said, tell her to get up, she's well. The Spirit said, put such and such a tape in her hands. Tell her to listen to that over and over again. Just that one. Don't listen to any other tapes of anybody else's or any or even yours. Just that one. And she listened, and she listened, and she listened. Stayed there bedfast, but listen. You don't have much else to do bedfast, 24 hours a day. Listen, and listen, and listen, and became perfectly well. And I saw her and talked to her. Praise God, three years after, just a very picture of health. Raised up from a deathbed, hallelujah, as she said to me. You see, God doesn't always do everything alike. You know, we're, we're, we're different individuals, different stages of spiritual growth, and, but thank God there's, there's ways to help folks. One way is teaching. Yeah, but now I want to be healed as up. Well, now you can't tell God how you want it, dear. You better stop and listen to how God wants it. Are you listening? Just like me now. I, I, I was healed in the month of August of 1934, raised up from a deathbed. Among other things, I had an incurable blood disease, deformed heart, paralyzed, weighed 89 pounds. I was healed, acted on Mark 11, 24, just like I said. When you pray, believe you receive. I saw what it said. When you pray, believe you receive healing and you'll have healing. So I started saying out loud, I believe I'll receive healing for the heart condition. I believe I'll receive healing for the prowess. I believe I'll receive healing for the blood disease. In case I missed something, I said I believe I'll receive healing on top of my head and sole of my feet. To make a long story short, within the hour, I stand out of the bed well. 35 years and 23 days went by. And I'd had 35 years and 23 days what I call divine health. I was attacked a few times, but if I was attacked, I always knew what to do. Mark eleven twenty four. Praise God, it worked back God. It'll work now, you know. And so I'd always just pray and believe God and act on that word, and I'd be, that, that was it. It always worked. But 35 years and 23 days later, I got, kept feeling sick and faint and finally just fell down across the bed and startled my wife, I guess, by saying I'm sick. First time she'd ever heard me say that. And she jumped up and rushed over to where I was, fell across the bed. Really, I fell across the bed to keep from falling in the floor because I just temporarily blanked out. I would have fallen flat on the floor. Temporarily passed out, you see, just blanked out. 
And so she jumped up right over there and knelt by the bed and laid her hands on me. And we both started praying. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I missed it somewhere. I know you can do what you want to. If you want to just keep butting your head against the wall, we'll just keep butting it until you bloody it. And maybe you'll learn something. But I read where Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman said, if I pray, and Dr. Lillian Yeoman was, was a medical doctor. That's the reason we call her a doctor. She's a medical MD, both physician and surgeon. And in midlife, uh, she was given up to die by medical science. They couldn't help her. And some elderly gentleman came along, told her about divine healing, prayed for her. And like she said, I hadn't known God earlier, been away from him. And I got back in fellowship with him and believed God and he healed me. And she spent the rest of her life then preaching, teaching divine healing. And so Dr. Yeoman said, if I pray and don't get an answer, I start changing. Because before the answer can come, there'll have to be a change somewhere. And it can't be with God because he don't ever change. Now see, for 35 years and 23 days, acting on Mark 11, 23 and 24, I always got my answer. You see what I mean? But now after 35 years and 23 days, I did the same thing, acted on the same verses and got no better fast. So I said to the Lord, Lord, you know, no, he's telling him he missed it because he, he didn't miss it, did he? I said, he didn't miss it. And this just admitted, if I didn't make my prayer connection, I just didn't make it. I mean, he's out there. And he said, call unto me and I'll answer you, didn't he? And I just, I'm just that honest. So I said to him, I missed it. I don't know where I missed it, but I missed it somewhere. Now, that don't mean I robbed some bank, committed some awful sin, because I hadn't. That just means I didn't make my connection. And I don't know where I didn't make my connection. And I don't know why I didn't make my connection. But I need it. I need to make that connection. I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I said to my wife, I'm so sick I'd have to get better to die. <laughs> you ever been that sick? Boy, that's sick. And so I said, uh, I missed it. I missed it some way or another. Show me where I missed it. And so the Lord said to me, now, when I say the Lord said to me, how did he say it? Now, in the prophet's ministry, the word of the Lord will come unto you. Sometimes like he's speaking over your shoulder. But no, just like he speaks to every Christian, that still small voice way down there in your belly. Yeah, that might be involved. That's right, belly. What the Bible said, Jesus himself said, John 7, 37 through 39, the last day of the feast, Jesus cried and said, Whoever one is a thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly. Doesn't it? See, out of his belly, or another round, he said, innermost being, right down in here, you see. That's your spirit in there. And the Holy Spirit's abiding in your spirit. And so we, we call it sometimes that still small voice. See, right in there, he said, see, he wants to get me well first, and then he told me where I missed it and why I missed it. He said, now, if you want to be healed, I heard these words, you know, just in the still small voice in here. If you want to be healed, I'm going to tell you how. Well, see, that's what Jesus said, will thou be made, that's another way of saying, will thou be made whole. <laughs> You know, if you want to be healed, I'm going to tell you how. Well, now, if I'd insisted, yeah, but now I've always been healed acting on Mark 11, 23, and 24, and I'm going to have it that, that, that way this time or else not take it. Well, I sure wouldn't have took it. That's it. It just wouldn't happen. You can't dictate to God. Are you listening to me? No, by the Spirit, he said to me, if you want to be healed, I'm going to tell you how. Lay your own two hands on yourself. Boy, I got him up there in a hurry. Just like that. And I, I felt that warm glow of his healing power go out of my hands into my body and spread up and down on the inside of me. And I suppose it was 90% better immediately. And then he told me, he said, you see, you didn't do what I told you to do with the healing ministry because I appeared to, you know, 20 years and four days ago, laid my finger in the right palms of your hands said, I've anointed you and give you a special anointing minister to the sick. Somebody said, well, now I want to be healed with that special anointing. But sometimes the Spirit of God tells me to hit people. Well, I know he's trying to minister to them with a special anointing when he said hit them. Is there anything in the Bible on that? No. But there isn't anything on the Bible that told Jesus to spit on people. Yet he did. The Bible said he did. It said he spit and touched your tongue. Another kid, he spit and made clear the spit. rubbed on a fellow's eye. When the Spirit of God tells you to do something, you can do something else all day long and it won't work. Are you listening to me? But now if he doesn't say anything, any of us can go ahead and lay hands on people. Now why? 
because we've already got inside him and made. Jesus Christ, the head of the church, said these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. Isn't that right? See? Well, then go ahead and do the works of Jesus. Any of you believers, go ahead and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, I think again, where people miss it here is they thought that read, they'll all instantly be healed. And that's not what he said at all. He said, they shall recover. He said, they shall recover. He said, they shall recover. Didn't it? I said, didn't it? Praise God forevermore. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.